As we have done in the last two classes, Brother Rick Warner is going to be reading the scriptures as we approach them. Uh, We're going to start with Joshua, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5, where some instructions are given to the Israelites. Brother Rick. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Achaia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That's an important statement there at the end, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He's setting the people up to be observant for what God is doing. I know that we have focused on a song, Count Your Many Blessings. You know, we need to constantly be watching about what God is doing for us. We're going to, as we go through the lesson tonight, I've got a sequence of events and, and facts that happen. I'm just going to review them. These are things that you will have already heard as the scriptures were reading or being read. First of all, the children of Israel are camped at Jordan and they're going to stay there for three days. And they've gotten instructions. The officers have gone throughout the people and they told them to watch for the Ark of the Covenant and the priest carrying it and they were to follow behind them. But they gave them an interesting uh, instruction and that instruction was not to get too close to the Ark. As a matter of fact, you stay about 2,000 cubits away from it. That's about 3,000 feet. That's over a half a mile away from it. The Bible does not tell us exactly how they stayed away from the Ark of the Covenant as they were crossing Jordan. I have a mental picture of them going a big U around where the Ark of the Covenant is, so they maintain this distance from the Ark of the Covenant because this seemed to be some important instructions that they were getting. And they were told to concentrate consecrate themselves. And this involved not only washing themselves, but also washing their clothes. They were told to have no sexual relations, to be ready to go the next day. This is the second time that we read about them being told to consecrate themselves. This happened previously in Exodus, the 19th chapter, verses 10 through 14. Rick, would you read that for us, please? Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, 
they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So this is very similar instructions to what the Israelites have been given here at Jordan. You know, these instructions for sanctification in Joshua chapter 3, as I've said, are similar to what we just read in Exodus chapter 19. Sanctification is an important process. It's something that we as Christians experience. In 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter in verse 11, and such were some of you, that's right after Paul had listed a, a lot of very specific sins, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so God wants his people to be cleansed, to be ready to worship him. You know, we're reminded that sin separates people from God. We're reminded that there is going to be no sinful thing in heaven. It's very important that we be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit helps us to be sanctified. Now, in verses 6 through 13, he's going to tell them again, now you watch for this miracle. All right. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hevites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream, stream, and they shall stand as a heap. You know, maybe Moses should have done this reminder back when they crossed the Red Sea. It, just think how quickly the children of Israel forgot about how powerful God was and how much he had blessed them. It was just a very short time after they'd crossed the Red Sea and, and seen the Egyptian army destroyed when the waters caved back in on them that they started murmuring and then wanting to be taken back to Egypt where at least they had plenty of water to drink and plenty of food to eat. So Joshua this time says, you're going to see a miracle, and this is the meaning of the miracle. He wants it to be uh, implanted on their mind about what is about to happen. The priests packed up the ark and proceeded, and when they came to the bank, the priests were to stand still in the river. 
We're going to hear about 12 men. This is the first time we hear about it, where one person, one man per tribe were selected. Ultimately, they were going to get stoned from the river, but they're not told at this time that what they were that they're even going to get stones or what to do with them, but we're going to hear about that a little bit later on. The people were to expect some amazing things. And then Joshua articulated the promise that he was going to drive out all of these different people that are currently inhabiting the promised land. Now, they still got work to do, but God is giving them here on the front end, he's giving them this blessing. When the priest's feet hit the water, the Jordan, the water stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap. You know, this is similar to the description of the miracle when the Red Sea was parted. We're going to look at a couple of references to that. Rick? Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right, right hand, and on their left. Then to this. Go ahead, Rick. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. Well, here we've got the same terminology used for what happened to the waters when the Red Sea was divided and what happened to the waters here uh, at the Jordan River. It was piled up in a heap. Now, I don't know... Unless it's ice, it's pretty hard to pile water up in a heap. It just seems to want to trickle away. In verses 14 through 17, we're going to see that the miracle happens and that the Israelites actually do cross over Jordan. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Erba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. We're going to see that uh, we get some flashbacks as we complete this chapter and go on into chapter 4. There are some things that have got to happen before the priests actually leave the middle of the Jordan River. But the waters stopped as promised, and the people crossed over into the promised land opposite Jericho. And the priests stood still until everybody had crossed over. Now, there are 
we're going to find about some stones. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, they're going to pick up some stones to build a memorial. Actually, as you look through chapter 4, you're going to find that they actually built two memorials. I'd like for you to watch for this. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the, the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the numbers of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. The, it was pointed out here that these 12 men were the same 12 men that he had talked about earlier. Evidently, these were pretty good-sized stones if he's telling them you've got to put the stone up on your shoulder because they're going to make something that is significant and visible with these 12 stones a little bit later on. because they're going to be used for a memorial. And they put the stones down where they lodged after crossing the Jordan. When we get to verse 20, a little bit later on, we're going to see what happens to these 12 stones. But let's look at verse 9, because this is where Joshua sets up a separate special memorial. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. When it says they are there to this day, I suppose that means they were there when the book of Joshua was written. I, I don't know if we went over there and looked these few thousand years later whether they'd still be there right now, but... This is Joshua taking 12 stones and going out in the middle of the river where the priest stood and building his own memorial there to the events that had happened. Now we're going to continue with the crossing of the Jordan, uh, verses 10 through 13. So the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, 
armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. You know, we talked last week about uh, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh deciding that they were going to stay on the west side of the Jordan River. Um, west or east? East side. West. Okay. The side before they crossed over. Uh, I'll have to get a compass to see which direction that is. But as they were staying there, they had to make an agreement to help out with the battle of taking the promised land. And here we see that they sent 40,000 men. Uh, in the study that we had done last week, we saw that they kept 78,000 fighting men to protect the land that they had on that side of the Jordan River. But the priests stayed in place until all the Israelites passed over to the other side. And then we've talked about that 40,000 fighting men that were with the group that went across. In verses 14 through 18, we're going to see that Joshua is exalted by the Lord. All right, Rick. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. <clears throat> this is, uh, the Jordan River was at flood stage here. I may have some slides a little bit later on that talk about that. The Jordan River typically was about 90 to 100 feet wide and 3 to 10 feet deep. But at flood stage, it was a, a sort of a roaring river that was up to a mile wide, and we might call it rapids going through there. So it would have been a terrible time to try to cross the Jordan River at the time that they did, unless they had God's help. Now let's look at verses 19 through 24. Now the people came, came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So they've got a new camp, and this camp is in Gilgal. Gilgal is about six miles past the Jordan River, and they're about 19 miles from Jericho, which is going to be their next big event. 
And the priests, you know, crossed over on dry land and the waters returned to their place and the waters overflowed its banks just like it had before. I think it's interesting that the Bible says the waters overflowed the banks because it verifies that this was flood stage for the river. The fact is the people will know the hand of the Lord is mighty. And fear overtakes the enemies here. In Joshua 5 and verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Ambrites were on the west side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until he had crossed over, that their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. All right, this is uh, intentional. They didn't have Facebook and uh, YouTube and all that kind of stuff to get the word out, but the word got out. They were shaking in their sandals there. You know, when we studied about the spies visiting with Rahab, we know that uh, Rahab had heard about what had happened in battle. She had heard about how they uh, crossed the Red Sea on the dry land. So word was getting out into the promised land about the power of, of the Jehovah God. And the hearts of the kings of the Amorites and the Canaanites melted with fear. I wanted to spend a little more, more time on the food for thought tonight, I, now that we've gone through what the Scripture said. And we're going to look at some lessons that maybe we can get from, from our study. What is a memorial? Or what is the purpose of a memorial? To remember, to cause you to remember, okay. What were these... Israelites to remember from that 12 stone memorial that was built in Gilgal. Tell me one thing that they were to remember. What God had done for them when they crossed the sea. Can anybody else think of anything else that they were to remember? Crossing Jordan during flood stage. I mean, that ought to be really uh, very recent in their memory pool. Just look, let's look at that again. Read that, would you, Rick? Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that is the mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That's sort of the bottom line there, that the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You know, I was just thinking about memorials. Uh, I want to give my wife a lot of credit for 
helping to expand my thinking on what kind of memorials do we have. Based on a conversation we had, I put this question into our class tonight. What general memorials do we have today? Just tell me of a memorial that we have. I'm not talking necessarily religious, but just any kind of memorial. Can you think of one? Oh, that's a religious one. I want you to hold that one over there. I want non-religious answers. Memorials. What's that? Memorial days for the service people. Veterans Day. We just had that. Okay, what else? The Lincoln Memorial. We've got all sorts of memorials in Washington, D.C. Can you think of some? I've just heard the Lincoln Memorial. The unknown Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Vietnam Memorial. World War II Memorial. I think there might be a Korean War Memorial. Maybe the Twin Towers Memorial up in New York City. Statue of Liberty. What are we to think of when we see her holding up that torch? Freedom and, and what's her name? Liberty. Yes, sir, Doug. The Equal Justice initiative in Montgomery for all of those who in a previous time were lynched. In other words, killed without a fair trial. If you... Uh, now, let, let's bring it down a little bit closer to home. Thing, if a memorial is something that is causing you to remember something, do you have things in your house that are causing you to remember things? And if so, what would that be? Pictures. All sorts of pictures. I mean, if you go into our house and you look above the mantel, you're going to see a whole bunch of people up there, and that picture was taken on one of our significant anniversaries. And that's sort of a memorial to that anniversary. You go over to another wall and you'll see some younger people in a picture and that was taken at a different anniversary. So pictures. I love those golden circle pictures. You know, just going through there and, and seeing some events that we did and maybe some people that have already passed on. And it just brings back memories. These pictures help us to remember. Is there anything else in your house that might cause you to remember something? When you go on a vacation, do any of you ever buy these, go in these little old stores and maybe on the front of it it'll say souvenir shop? What kind of souvenirs do you buy when you go? I heard magnets. Some people have got refrigerators that are just covered with magnets. I've seen people that drive cars and have all sorts of stickers on the back of their car about places where they've gone. 
We like to have things that would remind us of stuff. Now, if you think about what the children of Israel were told in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, about how to remind their children of things. You know, he talked about different places that you would have reminders on the doorpost, on the frontlets of your head, you know, where you could pull out the little card or, or sheet that would give a scripture or something. Memorials are a very common thing for us. I have gone to the Boonville Cemetery. And in the Boonville Cemetery, there are tombstones. Did you ever think about a tombstone being a memorial? I mean, there are some beautiful tombstones out in the, in the Boonville Cemetery. The, the technology that they have is just amazing. Uh, Sister Forrest brought up, a, if we're married, we've got a wedding band. And that bedding, wedding band is a memorial, a reminder to the commitment that we made before God about the marriage that we have. Oh, y'all have done good on this memorial thing now. Let's see about my possible answers. I believe you got almost all of them. Wedding ring, war memorials, tombstones, pictures. Sometimes there's just mementos. I meant to bring my daddy's Hamilton gold pocket watch. He gave that to me before he died. Uh, and it, you know, I can think back to when he bought that, when he first started being a school teacher. And I think he paid $100 for that pocket watch. He only made $300 a month being a school teacher. The price of school teaching value has gone up since then. And, and, but somebody had told him if he was going to be a good school teacher, he needed to have an accurate way of knowing what time it was. And he passed that on to me. It's in a drawer. I don't wind it every day like he did. But when I see that, I remember all the stories about daddy and that pocket watch. And maybe you've got some little things like that that, cause, that just cause you to remember things. It was important to God that they be able to remember what he had done there at Jordan. Now then, Brother Milton, you've already given the first answer. What religious memorials do we have today, and what are we to remember? Brother Milton mentioned that the Lord's Supper is a memorial. What are we to remember because of that memorial? The Lord's death until He comes again. Can you think of another, and we've got some specifics in that memorial. We've got to remember His body. And all the suffering that he went through, we've got to remember his blood and how precious it was for what he shed. Now, 
What other religious memorial can you think of? The New Testament books. I never really thought of the Bible as a memorial. How many of you would think the Bible would fit into that? I see a lot of hands. I believe you've got a good winner there, Sue. Because when you think of the Bible, you have to think of the 40 plus people who wrote the Bible over a 1500 year period and how the hand of the Holy Spirit helped them to pull all of that together with no conflicts or no contradictions. And so when you see the Bible, it ought to cause you to think back to all the great things that God did so that we could have that precious book. All right, what other religious memorial can you think of? A cross. Help me, Rick. The ark that we went to see. I know that that is one, but I am think I'm trying to think of one that is here and now, and and we experience it because God has instructed it to be a memorial or what? Yes, ma'am. The rainbow. Thank you. We still got the rainbow. Now I know who was the rainbow for. It was a memorial to remind God. Not, and it's raining outside, I think, too, not to destroy the world with water anymore. That was two of the three that I had. Now, the, I've got one more. Can you think of one more? Yes, sir. Baptism. You're a great, great man, Doug. Uh, possible answers I had was our conversion is a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where we die to sin, we're buried in baptism, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. And then the rainbow. And please add the Bible on there, because I think that was a fantastic answer. I have listed uh, some special learnings from today's lesson. One is, follow God's instructions, and He'll help you get to the other side. That applies to all of us. Certainly, they had to follow God's instructions for them to get to the other side. What were some of the instructions they gave to the, God gave to the children of Israel and as they were crossing Jordan? Not to get too close to the ark. You know, I was just noticing as we were reading through there that this may not be the exact words, but it seemed like that the people rushed to the other side. If I was looking at water all heaped up, and I don't know if you could see all the way up to Adam where that city was, where the water was, but you know, while the dry land is dry, or while the land is dry, I'd want to be moving. And they were moving 